Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Brendan Forrest, a senior strategist here at Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency, and one of your IML hosts. Before we jump into our topic today, I do wanna kick things off with a quick FYI and an invite. Gorilla76 is collaborating with the killer industrial marketing partners, True Marketing and Cadenas Park Solutions to host an in-person event called Industrial Marketing Summit. It's happening this month, January 31st through February 2nd in Austin, Texas, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out all the information about our speakers and sessions on the website, industrialmarketingsummit.com. It'll be a great opportunity to learn from practitioners, much like we do here at IML. Uh, so give me or Aaron or Peyton a shout uh, on LinkedIn or in the IML Slack channel or here in the chat on the show today if you have any questions. Now back to our previously scheduled programming. Today, we're revisiting the topic of Google Ads, uh, basically like we do every year in January. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of our tradition. So we have brought on our trusty performance marketers, Kevin McClary and Patrick Cronin, uh, to talk paid search. Last year, we covered Google Ads 101, things like account setup, defining what a high-intent keyword is, explaining match types. Today, we're going to take it to the next level. We're going to do Google Ads 201, ongoing campaign management. So let's let's get into it. So we do have a um, an example account that we're going to be looking at. Uh, so Katie Klaus has... Uh, volunteered uh, us to look at her accounts. Uh, we just asked that no screenshots happen during that. We can do it live on here. Um, you, we're going to jump in there. Kevin and Patrick will do their campaign management on that platform. Just no screenshots. And like this is not going to be in the recording. So if you missed it and you're listening to this on the podcast or YouTube, you're not going to be able to see what we're talking about. Kevin and Patrick will do the thing where they point and talk about what they're clicking on. So it makes sense for people listening uh, after on the recording. Uh, but just know if you did miss the live show, you missed all the really cool visuals that we're going to show you. Um, so this convo is going to be most useful for folks that have already have Google ads live. That means you have at least one campaign with at least one ad group. If that's not you, we do recommend you stay on the show and listen, and then go back and watch the recording from last year, uh, the Google ads one-on-one episode. And we'll drop a link to that, um, in the chat here. So you guys can jump into that next. So, all right, Kevin, Patrick, you guys want to jump in here and kind of just like walk through what we're going to be covering today. Yes, absolutely. So I do have the ad account that Katie Klaus um, shared with us. Thank you for that, Katie. Um, we're just going to walk through and do like a, a live audit and offer some recommendations. And um, so, yeah, I'll go ahead and share my screen. Give me a minute here to get set up. And Kevin, while you're doing that, Katie, do you want to come on and, and say hi and maybe explain a little bit like what your company does just so people have some context? Oh, sure. Um, so Katie Klaus, very good. You guys did pronounce it correctly. This time of the year, you get a lot of claws, um, but it is Klaus with the with the K there. Um, in in school, I was very popular around Christmas time for that. Um, but yeah, so you guys had put a call out on the Slack channel looking for a uh, guinea pig account to kind of play with, and and I was like, ooh ooh ooh, me. Like we run Google Ads, but definitely not an expert, and would love the the feedback and. Uh, I'm a little nervous. Like, do I need to be prepared to defend you know, kind of what we did? But um, I think it'll be a, a good thing. Um, you know, as a more industrial marketer, it is so different from, you know, consumer marketing. And sometimes yeah. I think a lot of what we find online is more consumer geared. Mm -hmm. And so trying to kind of look at Google ads and, and, you know, one of the things that we were falling into was we were kind of skewing consumery when really mm -hmm. we need to be more industrial and marketing and, and manufacturing. So um, I was really excited for the opportunity. Um, so I'm with Roaster Company, a senior marketing manager here. 
And we manufacture commercial cooking equipment. So um, like pressure fryers or what you'd find at like a restaurant or a grocery store, things like that. So definitely not stuff you would find in somebody's home kitchen. Um, although I think our service manager has one in his garage, but we're just not supposed to, you know, let everybody like the fire department know that. Um, but <laughs> so it's definitely geared toward, um, you know, higher end chefs, restaurateurs, business owners, um, things like that. People that are looking to bring fried chicken into their establishments. So what you're saying, Katie, is this is a B2B sale. Yeah. And are you selling direct on your website? Like, is there like any Shopify or e-commerce type things? Or is are you looking to get a lead, like, a, you know, a form fill or a phone call lead uh, as your conversion in Google Ads? Exactly. So we do not sell direct. So okay. we um, sell to a distributor who then sells to an operator who okay. then turns around and sells that uh, fried chicken to a consumer as usually they'll use our brand name, Genuine Roaster Chicken, or okay. they can call it, you know, uh, Brendan's Famous Chicken. Uh, they can do it that way as well. So it just kind of depends. But doing that B to B to B to C sale, it, it's mm -hmm. hard. And yeah. how do you do the marketing for that? So that's why I love this community. And it's definitely those like-minded people that are experiencing some of the same things that I do. So I love the the IML community for that. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your platform with us, Katie. We're looking forward to uh, to this conversation. So Kevin and Patrick, you guys get into a, a Google Ads account for the first time. What are we looking at? Yeah, so um, I'll go ahead and take the lead, but Patrick, feel free to just be off mute and step in at any time. Um, so when I open up an ad account, like, yes, there are all there's all kinds of data we can look at, all kinds of buttons to press. But I think what I like to do is look at the setup and the settings to begin with, because that might actually tell us like why some numbers are too high or too low. Um, so I'll say right now the pretty colors on the chart are looking pretty good. They're not looking bad. That's right. Um, so Google, by the way, too, like Google always likes to change the appearance and the view of the Google ads platform. So like if you ever need to change the appearance, you just click up here at the top on appearance and uh, you can use like new designs, old designs. But um, this is I believe this view is like somewhat of a hybrid between the new and the old. But so I'm just going to pull up the the main campaign that you have seem to have your Katie, this pressure fryer, Matthew. Um, and then I'm going to click into the ad account settings on the left. And the first couple of things I look at is which networks are you running to? It looks like you have search network and display network turned on. Um, is there, uh, are you intentionally wanting to run ads into the display network? You know, we were just thinking additional places to um, be there, you know, be in front of our ideal customers. So if, uh, if it's something that you feel like, you know, you guys don't normally get good results there, um, but we were just trying to kind of reach a little bit wider. That makes sense. So normally if you're just wanting to run a search campaign and you only want your ads to show up on the search results page of Google, um, we would recommend turning off the display network and even turning off the search network. Um, and this is a little bit tricky because Google makes it seem like the search network is you're going to be showing up in only our uh, main search results page. But really what search network is doing 
is it's going to send your ads to third-party sites that use the Google search engine. So like, for example, if ESPN.com is using the Google search engine to like to to run the their on-site search, your ads could just like show up in an ESPN search. So we recommend turning both of these off. And I think your thought of potentially reaching more people and having a display, um, like having your display ads serve, if you wanted to run a display campaign, you totally can. I would just recommend like setting that up as a separate campaign because yeah. the assets that you create for the search campaign don't always translate the best to display. So like basically if you have that display network on your search ads, like the text ads that you write could just show up as a display ad. And it's not like somebody could just be on a random site, get a display ad that says like roaster pressure fryers and they don't have the correct context. So um, yeah, I would just recommend turning that off. Um, okay. And any of these changes that you would like me to make, I can go ahead and click save for you. <laughs> but if there's anything that you want to leave, please let me know. Um, you know what? Go ahead and let's save your changes. And then we'll kind of use today as a benchmark to see how that changes moving forward. Awesome. Cool. So I'll click save there. Oh, okay. It's not going to allow me to do it, I guess, because I don't have the proper um, admin access. But that's okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm making good notes. <laughs> awesome. Um, I also like to look at the bidding strategy. Um, so it looks like here you have maximized conversions and typically like when we launch a new campaign, we would do maximize clicks because you want to get the most volume as possible in the beginning. And then the rule of thumb is really once you get to around 30 conversions, then you can start maximizing for conversions and optimizing for that because Google has enough data to say, okay, this type of person is converting on your site normally. Um, so we're going to make sure we target those. But I think in your case, you have been running this campaign a while and you are getting a good amount of conversions. So I think keeping it at max conversions is good. Um, but for y'all that like are just starting out or have not run a Google ads campaign yet, if you're building it out, I would recommend going with max clicks. And that's just so Google kind of learns who your audience, your target converters are. Yes, exactly. Like Google is learning because their whole like ad serving algorithm is constantly optimizing. And like if, if they're starting to identify the type of user and their search behavior that would normally convert on your type of ad, then those people will be prioritized when your ads are like shown on the search results page. Okay. Yeah. Kevin, we just had a question in the chat from Jared Beasley. When mm -hmm. on a limited budget, do you recommend setting a maximum cost per click? Well, max cost per click can be tricky because um, you almost you don't want to really start out with that um, because you can almost be taking a shot in the dark. Like yeah. you can go into the keyword plan, Google Keyword Planner or SEMrush and see the average cost per click or top of page cost per click. Um, but if Google sets that as like, it's showing you the, the higher end and you set your max cost per click around that, you could actually end up like overspending. 
Um, so like Jared, I would recommend starting out. If you feel like you have a limited budget, I would start out with just like the fully automated spend, um, and then try and set a benchmark, um, see where you're actually getting results. Like, are you actually getting clicks at what seems to be an efficient cost? And if those first few days, like your budget is being spent out, um, that's okay because you can consider that early phase as like a testing phase. Um, Patrick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, whenever I launch a campaign or anything, like I always let it go for a month or so before <clears throat> making a significant adjustment, like a bid adjustment, switching from clicks to conversions, et cetera, just cause Google does need a blueprint, especially for the, like switching from clicks to conversion thing. Like there's some people in here who their business gets five leads a month on paid search because they have a super high ticket. Uh, average ticket value and then some get way more think of it as like google is almost like an fbi profiler if you only get two conversions a month and you tell google to optimize for conversions that'd be like telling like the fbi the guy has brown hair he's not going to be able to find uh more people that convert if you get a bunch of conversions though that's a bunch of different touch points that google has of like these are the type of people that convert for Kevin. So it's like giving it way more information um, to go out and find those people. And that applies, this is Google ads, but that applies to Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Google, whatever ad platform you're doing. You have to have a, like a solid like sample size for the platform to actually use that bid strategy um, for you. Some of the things that we, we do to limit or to maximize a limited budget is turn off bidding on the weekends, right? So we don't show up for searches on the weekends um, and then limit the amount of ad groups that you're running, right? If you have a limited budget, you might only be able to run one ad group. Um, and that you're just have to, like, that's just kind of like what the game is. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing with LinkedIn, right? Like you don't want to, if you have a limited budget, you don't want to try and run a hundred thousand person audience, right? Cause then nobody will be see your ads. It's kind of the same thing here, right? You want to make sure like you're showing up for the searches when they happen on your high intent keywords. So limit the amount of keywords and, and ad groups that you're running in a campaign to help maximize the budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get into looking at the actual performance now. So I pulled up, um, the ad group view, like I'm looking at that same campaign, but I just clicked on the left-hand column on ad groups and then. The window that I'm choosing to look at is the beginning of November, November 1st to today, January 4th. Um, I just like, I know there's a longer history, but I like looking at recent performance to really give the best analysis. Um, and it looks like here you've got branded keywords, um, ad group, key topics, and then competitor keywords, and a fair amount of conversions. Um, so to see the actual types of conversions that you're tracking, you can click on segment in this data view and then conversions, conversion action. And then that's showing me exactly which action took place. Like, was it a contact us form submission? Was it a call from like an ad extension? Um, looks like you have some GA4 conversions in there as well. Um, and really, when I pull this up, I want to, and I'm auditing an ad account, I want to make sure that you have the right conversion set up and that you're, you 
don't have like duplicate conversions because that could be the case. Um, Patrick, I think you had mentioned something about that. Did you did you feel like the conversions were possibly like overlapping? I don't think that's the case because otherwise you would see two of the conversions break, break down have the same exact number. Like if right. I see like five and five, then that'd be a concern. But I don't think that was a concern of mine here, especially if you have like different forms, like the generate lead restaurant, generate lead contactor, two different forms, it seems like. Yeah. So Katie, when you set these conversions up, um, did you do some of them manually, like on the Google platform and then some that you just imported from GA4? Uh, yes, I believe so. So this campaign was already running during the conversion of the Google Analytics. Um, so it was kind of like taking the old and then creating new goals um, on the old Google Analytics. We weren't really tracking the right things. It was counting conversions for um, like time spent on website. And we really wanted to be more granular and say it's that contact form submission that we really want to be uh, keeping an eye on and, and tracking. Gotcha. Yeah. So it looks like I know that's a lot of accounts I've looked at. That is exactly the case. Like things just sort of carried over from old GA and then you had to clean it up. But it appears to me, to Patrick's point, like the right things are tracking the contact us form that you set up manually. Um, maybe you had these GA4 conversions um, set up and they were imported, but it doesn't look like there's anything that's overlapping. Like generate lead contact uh it appears that's a different action than the contact us form is that correct i believe so as if they um maybe navigated off of that page that they landed on and then converted later um, i believe that's what that is okay and it yeah it, it's just different actions um another thing to note here if you have it's totally okay to have like a lot of conversion set up. Like say you just have a contact form on your main landing page from your Google ads, that should be your key conversion. It's totally okay to set up tracking for calls from the ad, like calls on your website, um, different form submissions, like different type types of contact form submissions that are on different places on your site. Um, but you should set like designate which conversion is primary and secondary. So I'll show you what I mean here. Um, so in the Google ads account up at the top, click on tools and settings, and then click on conversions. And it looks like most of your conversions are set as primary. Um, so what I mean here is I would probably set the contact us form submission and then maybe the calls from the ads because that conversion would be like if somebody clicks on the call button on your google ad to call you that's really high intent i would set those two as primary mm -hmm. conversions and then everything else those like ancillary ga4 conversions i would set as secondary and when you do that you're telling google these primary conversions are what i want the campaign to optimize for like i only want to optimize for contact form submissions and call extension calls and all of the other things I want to track, but I don't want you to optimize for that. Um, and the way you would do that is 
on this section, like you have this submit lead form um, conversion that's from GA4 generate lead contact. Just in that little section there, you would click on edit goal and you can take that conversion and just set it as secondary. Okay. I didn't know all this. Thank you. Totally. Yeah. These are all things too that like Patrick and I ourselves, like we've had to learn just by doing it. So um, nobody just like knows these things the first time they set up a Google campaign. Um, cool. So that covers a lot of the like main setup things that we like to look at. Um, now we can look at the overall performance. Um, Patrick, I know you had taken some notes on individual performance. Did you want like to focus on any individual aspect of that, or I can just dive in to like click through rate and then look at search terms and search impression share? Uh, no, I looked at a lot of stuff in the overview section, like devices, demographics and stuff like that. Yeah, well, we can look, take a look at that. So I think I may have narrowed it down to one ad group, but of course the email that I sent to myself, I didn't list it and I didn't list what date range either. So I really set myself up here. Um, but one thing it's like, whenever I'm trying to audit performance, this is the page that I go to first. And then when I see like a specific area that's lacking or doing really well, then I kind of use the side toolbar on the left to drill down. So I think it may have been a specific campaign. Um, what date range are we looking at? Uh, can you do like October 1st through today and just see if, cause the data I'm looking at looks a little bit different than what I'm looking at here. Um, it's like here on where it says clicks in the middle on the ad performance across devices. Can you change it to conversions? And then, so the, what I like here is like your costs, the same amount of, you have, you're spending about 71% on mobile and about two thirds of your conversions are coming through here. What I noted is that the cost per conversion and the conversion rate, if you switch that conversions to that one, maybe I labeled it. Rate. Yeah. So your conversion rate on desktop is 7% more than it is on mobile. So another thing I would look at is like, if there's, if you have a similar search impression share only like under 10%, under 20, essentially what that means is for every click you're getting on desktop, it, you are getting a conversion at a much more efficient rate. And if you have a low search impression share, that means there's a lot more meat on the bone for the keywords you're targeting there. Um, so what I do for a lot of our clients is I up desktop bidding by 10, 15, 20%. And I've seen it work really well because in the B2B space, if you want to think about user behavior, like what the human's doing when they submit a lead form, most people aren't getting it on weekends. Like Brendan said, like I'll see a much better cost per conversion, conversion rate Monday through Friday, like 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. A lot of our clients are on that on a similar schedule. The behavior is probably like Aaron goes to work and she gets a project from the top that we need to find like a venue for the industrial marketing summit. She's probably going to search like marketing conference venue during the workday. 
Um, so in terms of user behavior, she's also going to do that from her work computer on a Tuesday at like 2 p.m. So I up bidding on both of those like specific categories of desktop and like during the weekday. Mm -hmm. um, naturally, if you're in B2B, your campaign's going to spend way more during the weekdays and on a little bit on desktop too. But if you force it to spend a little bit more, I've seen it work really well on a lot of our clients. And Patrick, you briefly mentioned uh, search impression share. Do you want to quickly define what that is and why it's important and something you consider in Google Ads? Yeah, so essentially that for everyone here, that's like for every 100 impressions, your keyword, like if you're targeting marketing agency, for every 100 impressions that that keyword generates on the Google like network, what percentage of those impressions is your ad taking up basically? So let's say that the conversion rate on desktop was way higher off the bat. You'd say we should up bidding there. But if your search impression share on desktop is like 90%, there's not really more meat on the bone for you to spend more there. So you kind of want to let it be. But if your search impression share on desktop is only like 15 or less percent, that means you have a lot more meat on the bone to spend more there and then take advantage of how you're getting conversions a lot more efficiently on desktop computers, basically. Where Patrick, it's, I was pulling it, up. It's called impression share, Kevin, in that uh in that column area. It's just impression share. Yeah, if you search for um there we go. Yep. Well oh no no that'll go back. I don't think it's gonna be in this win and where ad showed thing. Yeah, where I was going to ask like Patrick, where did you normally pull that up? Because I think, when I think devices, that's where I go. I think it's in the overview section. If you want to go back to there, yeah, I usually see it in like the ad group. And then whether you can just take conversion rate and switch that to search impression share. Yeah. So less than ten percent on desktop, and your conversion rate is seven percent more, which doesn't sound like a lot, but at the volume that you're spending, the amount of clicks, how many conversions you're getting, that's a big difference in terms of kind of like freeing up that funnel more. I would, I do do it moderately though. Like I would recommend going up by like ten or fifteen percent, and we can show you where to make that adjustment. Like, don't see data like this in up desktop bidding by eighty percent. Because um, part of this is Google's spinning your budget to try and get you the best results, but sometimes it needs to correct course a little bit. Think of it more like a lane assist change on our part, not doing a 180 on the highway by upping desktop bidding by 90%. Okay. All right. So right now for people in the recording, we are on the insights and reports tab. And now we're looking at the one and where ads are showed um, and you can... And then there's also the, uh, so you can see like devices and you can see times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's showing the device breakdown of the performance, like total number of clicks, click through rate, cost per click, conversions, um, cost per conversion. And like to Patrick mentioned bid adjustments, you would do that in this section. There's like a little column where if you want to increase the mobile bid adjustment, you can do like 10%. And basically that's just going to prioritize the mobile phone um, serving like 10% more than it previously did. Um, and like Patrick said, it's good to do that incrementally. Um, 
because I've seen that like by adjusting it, I've seen it help performance. I've seen it hurt performance. It's just, you kind of have to find like the right balance. Yeah. For like um, B2B clients whose audience or like the people who are their potential decision makers are more like techs in the field. A lot of that I've seen comes from mobile for more bigger, higher ticket items, um, that cost like a hundred thousand dollars. That's typically like an in office thing. If I had to guess, and another thing is the bid adjustment, does it increase your budget? Essentially, like if we up budget 15% on desktop, that basically says, tells Google, instead of paying $1 for that desktop click, if we have to pay $1.15 to win the auction, we're willing to do so. Um, so changing bid adjustments will never increase your overall spend, um, just because we obviously want to avoid overspending. Totally. Um, so we've made it this far. <laughs> we've been doing this for almost 30 minutes and we've yet to talk about keywords. Uh, that just shows you how much you can see and how, how much you can optimize inside of Google ads. Um, so let's go over to the keyword section and see exactly what you're targeting here, Katie, like per ad group. So you've got branded keywords. So that would be Okay, just like your brand name, the Brewster Chicken. Yes. Um, and then competitor. So these are like your main competitors. Yep. So I was trying to be like top of funnel. So if somebody's searching for one of my competitors, I want to, you know, show there. But you can kind of see that uh, some of those are rarely shown. So it was kind of like, oh, but I get really excited when people click on our ad when it says like so clicks penny penny 48 i get really excited <laughs> i feel like i'm stealing people you know yeah i noticed too you you had another campaign that we haven't even gotten into yet that's like um going to the competitive comparison page um yeah so you really are focusing on like the competitors there and then you have an ad group that's key topics so would this just be like the main um, general searches you would want to show up for like commercial pressure fryer. Exactly. So this would be like if somebody's just in the very initial stages, they probably don't know who the competitors are, but they know that they need uh, a chicken fryer for their restaurant. Okay. So you have all of that here within this main ad or this main campaign budgets at a hundred dollars a day. Um, okay. So Let's look at, Patrick, I know you had looked at this too, like the overall budget breakdown, like how much cost is being spent on those three ad groups. Looks like in the last, since October, you spent around 8,500 and the cost, the majority of that has gone to your branded keywords. Um. That is not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm curious, like the quality of those clicks and the leads that have come through from your branded keywords, like, where do you think that is at? You know, that's one thing I do worry about. Like if, you know, one of my distributors are looking just for our website, are they clicking on that top link? You know, if they look for roaster website, um, are they clicking on my ads? And is that where I'm, I'm getting those from? And it does make me nervous that that's, you know, if they already know who we are, 
should they should I not be spending so much time on branded keywords and more time on key topics? Is that going to uh, widen my audience and who is looking for products? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like my thought is that normally like this the idea of having branded keywords um, different outside like your key topics ad group here where that's more of the general searches and then competitor keywords is fine. I think I would normally, if I did this setup, I would have it be three different campaigns okay. so that you could control that budget more because otherwise Google's just going to let it run. Like your these clicks might be more expensive on your branded keywords. Um, so Google's going to prioritize that um, and, and put more in that budget. But if you would like to tip the scale a little bit more, like targeting these key topics, these other search keywords are more high value. And those uh, those leads that come in are longer lifetime value, longer lifetime value, more valuable than just people who already know who you are. Um, I would put more budget on that. Okay. So and- I can't set that from within here, that ratio, they're prioritized equally. It's really, yeah, it's really best to do it at a campaign level. And that's an important distinction that Kevin was just talking about. And it's something that you're making a decision about when you're first setting up your campaigns. You can definitely change it later. But in Google Ads, you can organize keywords into um, ad groups, and then you can organize ad groups into campaigns. There's kind of those two different levels. Um, And you cannot set an ad group level budget. So if you want to have one campaign and four ad groups, you're setting that budget at the campaign level and Google's going to distribute it um, how it sees fit amongst those ad groups and keywords could be based on your bid adjustment, what's getting the most volume, things like that. You have less control over how it's actually distributed. Sometimes that's a good thing. Like Kevin was just looking at the breakdown of where the spend gets allocated. That can tell you a lot. But like he was just saying, if you want to control, say, for like a branded keyword ad group, how much of your spend is going towards that, um, you would need to separate that out into its own campaign. Okay. Is it true that, and hopefully everybody finds value in this question, that you should always search for your own branded names so that way your competitors aren't doing it instead? I think it depends on the space. Like sometimes, like some B2B spaces are way more cutthroat than others. Uh, I think it's, especially for direct to consumer, that's way more cutthroat than B2B. Um, And also the brands in B2B aren't as like out in the open as like say a Coca-Cola, right? Like people are searching more for the problem or product type, not as much the brand name. I will say, like Kevin said, I would definitely set the branded keywords as their own campaign. Because in terms of like we talk about message matching sometime this year, it may have been last time we did Google ads, but like when you have a keyword such as the the branded ones that are Broster XYZ, Google sees that if someone searches Broster Chicken, you have the best message matching for that search term of anyone on the internet. So it's going to put you at the top of the page no matter what probably, and you're probably going to get the click. So I would limit the budget just because you are going to probably get pretty cheap and efficient clicks and be at the top of the page already. 
So if you're wanting to get like new business and people that you haven't worked with before, you probably want most of your budget going towards like the competitor one or key topics. Your the amount of conversions you get and stuff might go down, but it'll be more new business most likely. Okay. I see what you're saying. I will say here too, as I so I pulled up now the search um keywords on the left hand side to see exactly which keywords Katie's targeting here. And I will say we haven't taken a look at like the conversion setup yet to make sure everything is like set up and firing correctly. But if this is correct, I mean you've you're getting contact us form submissions from your branded keywords at a really, really outstanding cost, like a 16% conversion rate. Like if that's, if that's correct and that's accurate, that's amazing. And I don't think you need to be spending as much budget as you do, um, to, to capture all of that to Patrick's point. I'll I'll say the one thing that from the strategic side that concerns me about like keywords like broaster chicken and broasted chicken is are those leads actually high quality? Are those conversions yeah. high quality? Do they lead to you selling your pressure fryers, Katie? Right. When I see a keyword like broaster chicken in an exact match, that is hungry Brendan looking for broaster chicken to go eat and not necessarily looking for an, uh, an oven or a pressure fryer or a piece of restaurant equipment. So um, that would be something that I'd be a little worried about because you're spending since October, you spent 20, almost $2,200 on the word broaster chicken. And if that is only people looking for, like they're filling out chicken lead forms, uh, that's probably not a great place to spend the money. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I read all the leads that come in, and I would say probably only 5% are people looking for a restaurant. Um, usually it is looking for um, a pressure fryer. Oh, okay. We, our, our terms kind of think think like Kleenex. It's a branded yeah. term, but it means facial tissue. That's kind of how fried chicken and broaster are. Okay. But I can see why, yeah, you're concerned there, definitely. Um, so now I'm pulled up. I see some good questions come through in the chat, and I'll get to those in a minute. But I wanted to pull up the um, the search keywords that you have here for your key topics ad group, which is really you're targeting things like commercial deep fryer, pressure fryer, um, commercial pressure fryer. Um, I did notice you have commercial deep fryer set at broad match. So like for the audience, a, a refresh run match type. Broad match, if you set a keyword there, you're leaving it pretty open to allow Google to show your um, your ads on like anything even remotely related to commercial deep fryer. So like someone could search deep fryer and your ad might show up. Um, if you set it to phrase match, that narrows it down a little bit more. The, the keyword has to contain like that phrase, commercial deep fryer, pressure fryer. And then if you go exact match, it's like the exact meaning of that keyword. Um, so I guess now Katie- I'll push back a little bit on that, Kevin. There is a place for broad match in a campaign if you are going to manage it very closely. Oh, um, yeah. That, that you know, was like, going to be my point. Okay. Yeah. So from what I've seen is, you know, Google's very smart. Like they have amazing algorithms. They They know what people are searching for, right? So if someone's out there searching, you know, for different ways to say roasted chicken and pressure fryers and all this stuff, you know, after eight or so searches on a broad match, they're probably going to start showing your ad, um, even if it's not the exact keyword that you're that you've set up, uh, because they, they can kind of put, you know, two and two together on that. Uh, but 
you have like you're going to get a lot of really bad keywords that are in there, right? Like it's going to show you for a lot of different um, a lot of different terms that aren't related to your business. So you have to be in that search terms report doing a lot of negative keywording uh, to make sure you're only showing up at the right time. But it 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 does allow you to maybe let Google's algorithm work a little bit for you, uh, and it costs less, but it just takes a lot more management time. Yeah, it does, and that's like my question was going to to Katie would be like, are you getting searches we can look at your search term report but are you finding that you're getting searches for like an air fryer or something like that so we used to a lot um and we've gone in and hopefully if you look at those uh you can see some of those negative terms so we should have that cleaned up but i think that's a great thing to show everybody that how to do that you know so you're not skewing to consumer exactly so um for all of you listening at home, um, <laughs> to look at your search terms report, you can on the left hand side click insights and reports and then click search terms. And then basically, this is just going to show you not all, but most of the search keywords that people are searching when your ads show up. Um, Google will hide some keywords sometimes, like sometimes it'll show that you have total like 50 clicks but then it only shows you like 25 of those clicks and the keywords but so it's not all 100 accurate but it's pretty close um but like you can scroll through here and see how relevant are these searches i like to filter the columns by clicks just to see like which keywords am i actually spending money on at first um and looks like so you are showing up for just pressure fryer chicken broaster for sale commercial pressure fryer like have you seen anything recently katie that seemed completely irrelevant not recently and it might be i'm thinking of our old campaign where we were showing for like ninja foodie um kitchen countertop fryer where we were way skewing so um, consumer that i turned off the campaign i was like we are spending money for nothing um so this campaign i think has kind of addressed a lot of those concerns um, but you might be able, if you keep going like, a this donut fryer, you know, th- we don't fry donuts in our fryers. You know, you can buy a $50 countertop fryer or, you know, you buy a $30,000 fryer from us. You wouldn't, you know, do that for donuts. Yeah. That's a great point. Donut fryer. So you could, what I like to do when I find something like that, right from the search terms report, I'll select that keyword. And then there's like a blue banner at the top. You can click add as negative keyword and you can add it as a negative exact match keyword. But while I'm doing this, like while I'm scanning the search terms report, I'll negative those things out as exact match, but then I'll open up like a separate note and write down everything that I'm negativing out. And if it's something like the word donut, like you don't want to show up for any searches involving donut. I would add donut to my list. And then after the fact, I would go back to the negative keyword list, which you would click on the left-hand side under keyword tab and the negative keywords. And I would click the blue add button and then add donut as like a broad match keyword. So that way you're getting the exact match and then the broad match. So then from then on in the future, you're not getting any searches involving donut or air fryer ninja or whatever it is looks like you've done some of that already okay and i think katie brings up a really good point about how when she was seeing that in the past um 
she just turned off the entire campaign because there was like too much that was a bad fit. And I think like there can be a certain point where it's unmanageable, right? Like certain products are going to be too similar to like the consumer version. And maybe Google Ads just isn't the right channel to try and reach those people. I don't know, Brendan, Kevin, Patrick, if you have thoughts on that, if there's kind of a point of no return for campaigns or like struggles like that. We, I mean, we've in like, there have been times where we have taken over a campaign and there's just like way too many broad match keywords. Like there's a hundred keywords and they're all broad match. And I think, yeah, I, at that point I would just like start over, like start a new campaign. <laughs> um, like there are some things on Google ads that, um, are fixable. Like if say, for example, you're listening to this, you already have a campaign set up and you feel like there are recommendations we're making that you, you could implement. Like there are things that are fixable. You can go in and change a, a keyword from broad match to phrase match. If you think that would help, you can change your, um, like your bidding optimization. But if things are kind of flying off the rails and you have conversions set up incorrectly and you're counting page views as conversions and not actual form submissions, or you just have hundreds or thousands of keywords that you're targeting, it's best to just like cut that out, turn that one off, start over with a whole new strategy. I think less is more when it comes to keywords, right? Like there's probably only, you know, maybe 10 uh, for a lot of clients. Like I'm running like five keywords or some even just one. And actually the one client that we run one keyword for, we've been doing it for a year. It's our, one of our best performing Google ads campaigns that we manage at Gorilla. Um, and it's literally one keyword, a phrase match keyword uh, that just kills it like over and over again. It just delivers really high quality leads all the time. So don't feel like you have to go through there. Like, like Kevin said, I have 10,000 keywords or some crazy number, um, especially broad match is like, who's managing all that? Who's like doing all that search term report? Like if you're doing broad match, you probably like one or two maybe is enough for someone's full-time job almost. Yeah. I, so I, I saw a question come through too. Like how often do we do this? How often do we do maintenance on a campaign, uh, paid search and, and I guess the reason we started with all of the their initial campaign setup and settings was to show like if you have your settings in the right place to begin with, it's going to make things much easier for you down the line. Um, like when we launch a campaign, I usually like to go in and look at the search terms report every day for a couple weeks to make sure we're not burning through and wasting some ad spend. Um, I like the negative things out that are irrelevant and all of that. But the longer that you have that campaign running and um, building momentum, you could hit a point where in a few months, it's like a well-oiled machine and you're not having to do nearly as much maintenance. Maybe go in once a week, um, once every other week. Uh, it's definitely recommended that you do this regularly. Don't wait for like once a month. Don't wait for every quarter. Keep an eye on your your paid search because Google will waste your money. They will spend your ad dollars in places that you don't want to. Um, so I would say front load it more attention at the beginning and in the setup, and then um, let let yourself optimize and gain momentum like several months in. I actually have a question. You know how when you log into your Google account, 
and it'll give you these recommendations. Um, I read that if you don't keep those cleared up, that it'll lower like your quality score. So like that campaign optimization score, if they have a lot of recommendations and it takes you down to like 80%, then you won't show as often as you could have. Is that true? Good question. So um, basically what Katie's mentioning here is like there's a recommendations tab in on the Google ad account and Google likes to give you recommendations for things that quote unquote optimize your campaign. Um, but of course those recommendations are coming from Google and they are in the best interest of Google. They want you to spend more money. They want you to waste more of your money. Um, so they'll recommend that you turn all of your keywords onto broad match. Uh, I would never do that. Um, or they'll recommend that you open up your targeting like Say you just want to target the U.S., they're like, well, why don't you target more countries um, without considering like what you actually what actually works for your business? So I go in and dismiss ninety nine point nine percent of those recommendations. I very rarely see one and think that it's good. Um, so as you dismiss them, your optimization score will increase. Um, up to you want to get you know as close as you can to up to 100%. Does the optimization score affect the actual performance of the campaign? Um I have not done a clear AB test on that. I have not like let the optimization score drop and then compare it to one where I have 100%. Um I would so I don't have any hard evidence or hard proof that yes that hurts or helps your performance, but I would say safest bet, just go in there and dismiss all of Google's recommendations. It's not going to take you very long. It's something that I do on all of our ad accounts regularly, and uh, I don't see it as wasted time. Thank you. Sure. All right, Kevin, I think uh, we're going to need to wrap up here, man. It's 1053. Yeah. We've been talking about Google ads for almost an hour. We We just like barely... <laughs> barely scraped the surface. All right, there, we're, but... gonna, we're probably going to need a, a 202 at some point. Um, all right, before we get out of here, though, Patrick, Kevin, do you guys have any final thoughts before we close out? I'll say the majority of what I just showed you, like everything Patrick and I just talked through and showed you, we initially learned from free resources like this from IML or from watching YouTube videos or reading blogs or listening to podcasts. And if you feel like you're just lost, like this feels like too much for you um, to, to even uh, to start with, um, Patrick and I felt the exact same way when we started out and we just consumed as much free information as we could. Pull up YouTube videos of people doing this exact thing, screen sharing and showing the back end of their own ad account um, and, and, and get started. And don't feel like you have to be perfect when you first start out. Um, the rest will come from experience and managing it on your own. But I don't know. I just, if, if we can do it, anybody can do it. And I think you all should feel empowered by the amount of free information out there that can help you uh, get started. I would advise to not get too high or too low. Like even if you have an account or a lot of internal marketers in here, if your paid search, like one campaign kills it one month, don't just like, 
you know, basically hang, hang the cleats up for the day, like figure out why it worked. Like, did you kill it on one specific keyword? Cause I rarely see campaigns where like, if it gets 20 leads, there's like four from each keyword. It's always kind of skewed. Um, so that way when it slows down and performance dips, you can kind of try and scale that out. Like, okay, this works really well. So let's really hone in here. Um, and even when a campaign is quote unquote doing really bad, however you want to term it, it's typically like maybe one or two slight changes that completely steers the ship. Like it's very rarely, you know, the sky is falling. So I would just always take note of what works, what didn't, whenever you make significant changes to your campaign, kind of have a cadence of like, okay, I made this big bid adjustment today. I'm going to set a reminder four weeks from now to check it. Um, and that's when I'll do a deep dive to determine if it actually worked and to ax the change I made or continue doing it. You don't want to be making these adjustments like upping desktop bidding, demographics, uh, bidding optimization. You don't want to change that every week. That'll just shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. The one thing I'll say here too is it's I, I can't remember who said in the chat. Oh, I think Rachel said it. Rachel said this was the one part of her marketing strategy that she outsources to an agency. And I, that is a totally viable strategy, right? Like we did cover a lot of here and it can be a lot to like to try to come in here and make like the most optimized campaign. So it is not a, it's not a weakness on your part if you have to bring an agency partner to help you to manage your Google ads campaigns. The one thing I would recommend, there are two things I'd recommend if you bring an agency partner in. Um, first thing is make sure you are educated so that someone's not blowing smoke up your you know what, uh, and, and, you know, put, pulling the wool over your eyes and doing all that stuff. Right. So be educating the platform so that you can have educated conversations and really vet out who your partner is going to be. And then if you bring an agency partner on, make sure that you own the ad campaign, right. Or you own your Google ads platform, right. There's some agencies out there that hold on to that information and won't give you access to your own platform. You maintain ownership of your platform, give your agency partner access. Uh, it is your data. It is your money. It is your business. You own your own platform. And I'd say the same thing if you're bringing on a partner for LinkedIn and, and Facebook. You own the platform. You own the data. You give access to your partner to help you manage your campaigns. Um, so just, you know, it's okay to bring a partner on. I think it's a good thing to bring a partner on. We recommend it at Gorilla, obviously. <laughs> but um, just make sure you're educated and don't let them uh, run your business for you because, you know, they're using it to make money. So, um, cool. I think that's all we got. So. Offer did you guys offer this as a service, like go in and do an audit to where we, I would still manage it, but you guys would provide yeah, recommendations? Yeah, we, we, we don't we don't have any uh, anything like that right now, but that might be something that we could talk about. And we'll let you guys know if we can figure out a way to do that as a service for you guys. Because right now it's just like full blown, like you you work with Gorilla on a, on a retainer side. So um, right now we don't have that as a, as a service. Maybe maybe in the future. We'll get back to you on that. Um, Okay, so let's wrap this thing up. Uh, this is your invitation. So make sure if you're interested in our Slack community, uh, please drop a DM uh, to any of us or hop here in the chat and we'll get you access, right? I think we have almost 300 industrial marketers in Slack with us right now. And you know we're doing a bunch of cool stuff in there. We continue this conversation on about Google ads, about LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, marketing strategy inside of the IML Slack community. So make sure you join us there. Like we said earlier, if you're interested in coming to Austin and hanging out with us in person, uh, get your tickets now. We're less than a month away from Industrial Marketing Summit. So get your tickets, join us in Austin. 
Um, and then on our next Industrial Marketing Live, we'll be welcoming back Beth Bauer as our special guest to talk about industrial websites. You'll get to hear her tips and advice for how she's evolved FullertonTool.com over the years. Make sure you join us there two Thursdays from now at 10 o'clock Central Time. Thanks everyone for joining us and we'll catch you in the next IML.